Hi, I'm Katie. Um, I work here at Grace Church. I lead the best, sorry, youth team. I lead the youth team. <laughs> You're not on the youth team. Do you want to join? I've read the notices. You wrecked my preacher's well, thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to um, speaking this evening. Um, next week, we're going to kick off our spring preaching series. We're going to be looking at Exodus. It's going to be great. Um, but tonight, we've got a one-off, standalone, what I'm terming a limited edition, if you will, um, message that, if you can't tell, I am pretty excited about sharing. Um, I really believe if we allow the truths in the passage we're going to look at tonight to affect us, they can change us and change the way we experience life with God this year. So before we begin, all jokes aside, why don't you just take a moment and ask God to speak to you. Tell him you believe he's here. Tell him you know he wants to speak. Tell him you're listening. Tell him you're ready for him to work in you and through you this evening. So our passage for tonight is from Psalm 139 which you'll find somewhere in the middle of your Bible. The book of Psalms is a collection of 150 songs, prayers, poems, um, written around 1,000 years before Jesus walked on earth, and then compiled together when God's people were away from their homeland in exile. And they were put together as a way for God's people to engage with him and worship him and connect with him when they were away from their homeland, away from their temple. And they serve the same purpose today. They're a way for us to connect with God um, through these ancient um, prayers. And about half the Psalms in the book were written by David, who was um, the shepherd boy who became Israel's favorite king. And the Psalm we're looking at tonight is one of his. Um, We're going to focus in on the first six verses. Um, You can follow along in your Bible or your phone or on the screen. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. And it goes like this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain. And the reason I believe this passage has the power to affect us, to change us, is because although these words were written down by David, they are God's words, they are breathed by his spirit, they are alive and active and full of power. Um, and these are God's words about something which I feel is um, key to our experience of life. It can be summed up in a question which Even if we're not conscious of it, I think we're asking ourselves over and over. And the question is, who am I? Who am I? Think about it. It's the reason why BuzzFeed gets to publish all those dumb personality quizzes. Do you remember them? Like three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. um, We spent way too much time doing them at uni. And they go from like genuinely like trivial and interesting, like which friend are you or which Game of Thrones character are you to like niche and really quite weird so I looked at I went back on as part of my preach prep on BuzzFeed (laughs) you're welcome and um they they've definitely got weirder so now they've got as well as the normal like which Disney princess great and Mulan you need to know (laughs) um they've got which one of Jesus' disciples are you fine cool um they've got who would play your best friend in the movie version of your life cool Then they get weirder. How much do you love pasta? (laughs) 
That's not even a quiz like we all love pasta. One of them's called, Who Hurt You? I don't, want to, I don't want to go there. The more recent ones are actually worse. There's one that's like, build a Subway sandwich and we'll guess your exact age and height. It's wrong and it's creepy. It's all strange. And we all know it's strange and we all know it's silly, but like, people spend time on this and that's why BuzzFeed keep writing them. Because um, we'll give our time to them. And on some level, it's because we're trying to answer that question, who am I? Even if it's weird and about Subway sandwiches. We're trying to answer that. And... We do it with proper, like, actually helpful personality tests as well. Has anyone done Myers-Briggs personality tests? Yes, very helpful. Um, or there's the Belbin that tells you, like, um, what personality type you'd fit within a team, like what role you take at work, what your strengths and weaknesses are. And then there's the Enneagram. Don't even know what it means. It's like a weird... It looks like this. Don't know how it works, but I'm a type 1. I've done it, see? It's appealing. You want, to, you, want, you want to know, you want to know what, what type am I? If there's nine types, which am I? And it's appealing because we want to answer that question. We want to know who we are. We want to know, um, we want to know ourselves and be able to communicate that to the people around us. Consciously or not, we do it with what we wear and um, what TV we like and whether we're into coffee or not and if we're a cat person or a dog person. And I'm not going to go into that for the sake of church unity because it's too big an issue, but... If afterwards you want to talk to me about great dog's hair, yeah. I'll see you then. <laughs> um, I think David gives us an answer, a proper answer, to our who am I question in this psalm. In verse 1 it says, You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. Here, David is stating something central, something foundational to his identity. He is known by God. That's the main theme of this psalm. In fact, the Hebrew word for know appears seven times. The psalm tells us God made us to be known by him, which makes sense if we believe that we are made in God's image. God has always existed in perfect, loving community, Father, Son, and Spirit, knowing each other forever. So if we're made to reflect something of God, then we are made to be known as well. We're made to be known by him. So that's the reason for this question, who am I? God put it in us, and he's the one who satisfies it. God is the one who knows who we are. And this is the truth which, if we fully take hold of this tonight, I believe can change us. Phil Moore in his commentary on Psalms says, when we know who we are and why we're here, it changes everything. It means nothing less than a glorious personal revolution when we believe that we are who the Lord says we are. Who doesn't want a glorious personal revolution in 2019? I don't know what other resolutions you've made, but that sounds great to me. Wouldn't you want a revolution in your thinking, in the way you see yourself? Take hold of this, that God knows you. He knows who you are. He defines you, not BuzzFeed or anything else, anything that anyone else has ever spoken over you or anything you've ever discounted yourself from or any way you've ever boxed yourself in. Will you believe this year that you are who he says you are? David knows who he is. He's known by God. And that truth leads him to wonder and to worship at God's incredible knowledge. And not just the general vastness and limitlessness of God's knowledge of all things, but specifically God's intimate knowledge of him. David is amazed that the Lord on the throne knows when his servant sits and rises. That the one high above it all knows the thoughts running through David's mind. That the one who neither slumbers nor sleeps would measure the minutes of David's rest 
that God, who spoke all things into existence by the word of his power, is aware of each syllable before it even leaves David's mouth. David says such knowledge is too wonderful for him. So let's wonder like David, let's be wowed this evening. Think upon these verses and allow yourself to be amazed that God knows you in this way. He knows your everyday life inside out. He knows when you sit, when you sit down to write an essay and you rise three minutes later to make a cup of tea. He knows when you sit down to have a meeting you're not prepared for or do some life admin or to wait for the doctor or worse, the dentist. He knows when you sit to eat with friends and when you sit to eat alone. He knows when you sit to have a tricky conversation, when you sit to comfort a housemate. He knows when you sit to pray or read the Bible or listen to a preach. And he knows when you're sitting there just staring into space. He knows when you sit to write a birthday card, read a book, watch a film or play a game. He knows when you sit to work and when you sit to rest. He knows when you sit. He knows when you rise. When you rise because your legs gone numb or you need the loo or you really have to go up to bed. When you rise to wash the pots or take the rubbish out. He knows when you rise because your brother won't give you the controller or because your mum's shouting you or because your husband's asking a question from another room and you can't actually hear him. You know, he knows when you rise because the bus has reached your stop or when you rise to go pack your case for a trip. He knows when you rise. He knows your thoughts. He knows your worries and cares, your worst nightmares and your wildest dreams. He knows your deepest insecurities and your secret struggles. He knows the things that wind you up even though you know they shouldn't. He knows the jokes you practice in your head to impress your friends. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> he knows when you're focused on the thing in front of you and when you're distracted, you're off in a daydream thinking about tomorrow. He knows your plans, your goals and your ambitions. He knows your regrets and your if-onlys. He knows what you think about yourself, about your life and about him. He knows your thoughts. He knows you're going out when you leave the house ready to face the day and when you really could have done with an extra hour in bed. He knows when you leave the office shattered or the hospital relieved or the hairdresser disappointed. <laughs> he knows when you're looking forward to trying that new place in town or when you leave the party early because you're just done. He knows when you go out dreading your dissertation meeting or excited to meet your sister at the station. He knows you're going out. He knows you're lying down when you lie down at night and you are just off to sleep like that, and when you can't get to sleep because you can't switch off your brain. He knows when you can't sleep because the neighbours are having a party or there's a fight outside in the street. He knows when you're grumpy and only a nap will fix it. He knows when you're annoyed because you're up past your new year, new you bedtime, or when you're just too excited to sleep because that date went so well or you're going on a holiday in the morning. He knows when you've put on fresh bedding and he knows when your room's such a mess you tripped over three things just getting into bed. He knows you're lying down. He knows your ways. The way your nose crinkles when you smile or your head tilts when you're really listening or the way you pull that face when you're concentrating. He knows the way you ask great questions or the way you shy away from attention. He knows the way you scratch your head when you're thinking, the way you fold over a corner of a page of a book to mark your place the way you write with your left hand. He knows the way you dance when you clean in the kitchen or sing in the shower or run your finger along a fence as you walk past. He knows the way you like your coffee or the way you open bags of crisps upside down or the way you smooth out a chocolate bar wrapper when you've eaten it. He knows all your quirks and your habits, all the things that make you, you. He knows your ways. He knows your words. 
your words of encouragement and affirmation that speak life and build others up. He knows the things you say without thinking and you wish you could take back. He knows the things you say to make yourself look good and the things you exaggerate. He knows the stories you've told ten times and the ones where it turns out you really did have to be there. He knows your words that are kind and sweet as honey to a friend in need. Your words of thanks written down in a card that bring a smile to the reader's face. Your words of public commendation that show honour to another. He knows your words that teach, your words that instruct and bring gentle correction. He knows your words that need to be said to let you forgive or help you heal or allow you to process. He knows your words of prayer and of worship. He knows your words. So who are you? God knows. He knows the intricacies of who you are. In verse 13 it says, he created you, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows every single detail of your life, and not just as a passive observer, but as the active designer of your days. In verse 16 it says, he's written them all down in his book. And in light of this wonderful truth, each ordinary thing in life has the potential to become extraordinary. The infinite one, the almighty one, he's interested in your everyday. How would our days, our weeks, our year change if we remembered this truth when life is difficult or just boring? How might the awareness that God knows our days transform our experience of them? I know speaking just for me, even in preparing this and thinking about this, I've been slower to complain and quicker to pray and acknowledge that God is with me. Let's allow the truth that God cares about the ins and outs of our days to turn our weekly rhythms and routines into worship. Whatever we do, let's do it all for the glory of God, knowing that he's interested in it all. God knows who you are in glorious detail. And God's knowledge of you is perfect. Earlier we said the Hebrew word for know is in this psalm seven times. And in ancient writings, the number seven symbolizes completeness and perfectness. So what David is saying is that God knows him and he knows us perfectly. And this means he'll never misunderstand and he'll never mistake you for someone else. That's always awkward, isn't it, when you get someone's name wrong? It's cringe. Especially if you've met him multiple times. It's really awkward. Like, it happens at church quite a lot. It's like, oh, it's your first time. It's like, no, we've spoken several times. <laughs> you forgot my name. <laughs> or like when you see someone in the street and they're waving and you're like, ah, who are you? I can't remember your name and you're just getting closer to me. Why do I know you? This is going to be so awkward. Then they get a bit closer and you can see their eyes and then you realise they're not even looking at you, they're waving at someone behind you. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> This never happens with God. He never mistakes us for someone else. He knows who you are. Um, if you like, come to church with a friend a lot, you might get this as well. If people keep thinking you're the other one, you know, people call me Rosie all the time. It happens. It still happens. Um, you'll know that if you're like, come with someone a lot. Or if, you're, if you've got siblings, like my mum does this. Like she's speaking to me and she calls me Eleanor or Jess. I, I'm 26. You know, she gave birth to me and she gets my name wrong. Her <laughs> first child. But God, God never does this. God knows us perfectly, you know. Um, it's awkward. When, or even sometimes it's painful when sometimes 
when people misunderstand. You know, someone gets you a present and you're supposed to be great friends and they know you really well and it's just so not you and you have to pretend you really like it. Someone must have just done that at Christmas, right? We did actually well in our family, I think, because we wrote lists and no one went rogue. But if people go rogue, that's when genuinely pain can come in because you're like, you're supposed to love me and know me and care for me. I've done it and I'm, to use another definition of me, my love language is gift giving. That's another test you can do later, love languages. Um, I love to give gifts, and so I feel the pressure of this. I want to get someone the perfect gift. I want to say, I know you, and I also kind of want it to be a surprise, and I want it to like perfectly sum up our relationship, and like, a candle can't do that, you know? Like, my, my standards are too high for a gift. And it's because I fear that awkwardness of letting someone down, of saying, I don't know you as well as you think I do. But with God, this never happens. He knows us perfectly. Um, it, his knowledge of you will not fail. It will not let you down. You'll never have that awkwardness with him. So who are you? God knows, and his knowledge of you is perfect. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, I'm just not sure this is that good an idea, like God knowing all this stuff about me. And to be honest, before I was a Christian, I definitely thought the same. When I was about 18 and I read this psalm for the first time, I wasn't like, wow, this is incredible. I wasn't amazed. I wasn't moved. I didn't want to worship. I wasn't marveling like David is, that God knows the ins and outs of his life. No, I was genuinely scared, like terrified. Because realizing that God knows everything that you never want anyone to know about you is scary. I knew that he knew all the things I'd said and thought and done that were sinful. I knew he knew. And I wanted to hide. And um, the psalm told me I couldn't. It said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I knew I couldn't run away. It said that the darkness is light to him. I couldn't cover up anything I'd done. When in verse 5 it talks about being hemmed in behind and before by God and him laying his hand upon us. It's supposed to be reassuring and comforting and to me it just felt like I was trapped. I was stuck. I felt exposed and I was really afraid and the reason I was afraid is because I wasn't sure what God was going to do with all this knowledge that he had about me. I wasn't sure how he was going to react towards me. I thought, is he going to use it against me? Is he going to punish me? Is he going to out me in front of everyone I know. And maybe you're sitting here feeling similarly that there is a God and he does know everything about you and that idea is really scary. Or maybe you're a Christian and you know God, but there are things in your past or things that you still struggle with. And when you think about him knowing about those things, it makes you feel ashamed. If you fit in either of those groups, if you're fearful or if you're ashamed, then there is good news for you. Things do not have to remain that way. The difference between reading this psalm and feeling fearful or feeling ashamed and feeling full of wonder and worship like David and like I now do is found at the cross. Like we sang in our worship time at the cross, we see that God's love for us is clear. It's plain. He's displayed it. He's made it obvious. We were made to be known by God and then sin got in the way. Sin ruined that relationship and he knew. 
He knew that it would happen, so before it even happened, he sent a saviour. It's true that the things that we've thought and said and done deserve punishment, but there's no need to fear because the punishment has been taken. It's true that sin has come between you and God, but Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that you could be free. The things in your past are the things you still struggle with, may cause you shame, but you don't have to carry it anymore. Jesus took your shame for you. Because of the cross, you are free to know God, to be known by him as he intended, without sin coming in between. Because of the cross, you can say with David confidently, in wonder and worship and without fear, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. So God's knowledge of you is not only perfect in the quantity of information he could reel off if you asked him. It's not like he would get 10 out of 10 on a test about you, although he would. But it's perfect in the way that he chooses to know you. His knowledge of you is full of grace, full of mercy, full of compassion. Without glossing over anything or pretending not to see the bad bits, he knows you and loves you and chooses you. He knows you as you are today. He knows you covered by Jesus and he sees you as you one day will be. So who are you? God knows and his knowledge of you is perfect and it's full of grace. J.I. Packer says in his book, Knowing God, which is all about the various characteristics of God and all about what a wonderful and lofty and compelling goal it is to know God. He says, what matters supremely is not the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. This is momentous knowledge. There is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love, watching over me for my good. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in the way I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. How much it means to know not merely that we know God, but that he knows us. Who are you? God knows and his knowledge of you is perfect and full of grace. So we don't have to wonder anymore, trying on identities like we're playing dressing up. God knows who we are, he defines us. He's given us a need to be known by him and he fully satisfies it. We can enjoy our everyday lives knowing that he's interested in the details and we do not have to fear. His knowledge of us will not fail and he doesn't use it against us. He is gracious towards us and he knows us perfectly. And being confident of this, we can follow David's example and we can allow God in to change us. Verse 1 says, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. And David ends the psalm in a really similar way. In verse 22, no, 23 and 24, he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Because David knows the one who knows him, knows him perfectly, knows him graciously, he invites him in without fear to come and work in him. And we can do the same. Ben, would you like to come up? Someone once put it like this. It's a bit like when your car is due its MOT. And my natural reaction would be, uh, don't let them find anything. Please don't let there be anything wrong. But actually, the wise car owner's prayer is, if there's anything wrong, please let them find it so they can fix it. And I think it's kind of the same with us and letting God in to really look at us. We can act out of fear, but knowing that he is good, being this side of the cross, knowing that he's for us, knowing that he chooses to love us, we can, like David, invite him in. New Year's a really good time to have a bit of a spiritual MOT. So will you allow God to search you and know you and take out anything offensive? Who are you? God knows and his knowledge of you is perfect and full of grace. Allow him in this year.